In the early 2000s, I worked for the Supreme Court of Ohio. I should have just assumed because that sounds like something you would do and then just forget to tell everybody that, oh, I was a Supreme Court justice. (laughs) I wasn't a justice. I, I worked in their technology division, but I got to understand a lot about the justices when I worked there. And I was very much impacted by the chief justice. He surrounded himself with a variety of thinkers who were different than him. So I remember when I first got to Ohio, I didn't realize that the judiciary allows its judges to have their own political affiliations, and and you're allowed to be public with it. So our chief justice was a Republican, and um, a pretty, you know, conservative, straight shooting Republican at that. But I noticed when I started working there that his primary communications director, his primary speech writer, and almost all of his clerks were Democrats and progressives. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. I was shocked because Ohio was a very and is still a pretty partisan place, especially in central Ohio. I thought, what an amazing open-mindedness, open-mindedness, wisdom, perspective to invite these radically different views into my cabinet, into my staff, so that I can balance my perspective against these other thinkers who I respect and who are doing a good job for me. Massive. Massively useful thing. It takes a lot of humility, too, and you have to set aside your ego and your need to be right. And that's the lesson I learned there was how to bring around you the people that you need to complete your vision. And that doesn't mean that you just want people around you who feed your vision back to you. You want people who are actually going to expand your vision and challenge your vision and complement it. I'm Tina Robinson. I'm Meg Buzzy. And this is Massively Useful Thing. Today's Massively Useful Thing is your personal board of directors. When we were in our coaching program together, there was the concept of your crew, putting together members of your crew. Your crew had a captain, your crew had different people performing different roles. And so this is a concept that is very well used and well loved in the coaching world. Of course, I kept calling the crew the boat people because I could never re- remember the term crew when I kept calling them my boat people. And I just had <laughs> images of all these people on a raft in the middle set of the ocean, the ocean, set adrift, exactly. or like the Contiki trying to make it to the islands. But Tina and I have been working on a framework that we use with our clients sometimes around creating their own board of directors. Um, You could also call it your own brain trust, um, your... Your advisors, your... Your counsel. Your your wisdom counsel. I really like that. So whatever you want to call it, um, for today we're calling it board of directors, but we've been working on thinking about what are the five core roles that you need in order to have an effective board of directors to help guide you and, and help you ascertain what's good advice. And the number one we came up with was role model. 
Tina, will you explain to us what role model is? The role model is someone who reminds you of your aspirational self. So imagine somebody who entered the time machine and stepped out a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, somebody who has been on your same path or similar path, but just is farther along than you. And it doesn't have to be somebody who role models every aspect of your ins- of your ideal life. Somebody could be a role model for just a narrow slice of your life. As an example, somebody who role models how you want to show up as a spouse or how you show up as a teacher or as a coach or as an entrepreneur. That's great. So our role model um, is maybe our most straightforward person on this uh, on this council because they're where you want to be. They're where you want to be in a certain aspect of your life. So you may end up having multiple role models for different aspects of your life. The next role on your board of directors is the brain. So Meg, what does the brain do for you? Yeah, so to me, the brain is going to be that person who just really gets your intellectual curiosity up. So it's a person who is an expert at something you really want to know a lot about. So someone whose depths you can plumb, who you can ask questions to and delve into and really use as a resource. A master, an expert in a specific field. So again, you could actually have multiple brains on your board of advisors or your board of directors or on your wisdom council, and that for different times in your life, you might need different brains. That's a good point. So depending on what kind of profession you're in, um, or maybe you're taking your profession in a slightly different direction. And so the kind of support you're seeking or the kind of reference material you need might be a little different. So if you're making a shift maybe away from writing and toward public speaking, maybe there's somebody who is more of a speaker or a lecturer that you want to really tap into. And a brain needs to be somebody who will share wisdom with you, not just role model it, but actually be a brain you can pick. The next role is skeptic. This might be one of my favorites. Meg, what does a skeptic do for you? Yeah, so the skeptic is really such an important part of your wisdom council because it is your primary challenger on your own board. That is not to say that they are against your efforts or they aren't supporting you, but the skeptic is the person that's going to say the unpopular thing. They potentially might poke holes in your argument. They're going to be the devil's advocate. They're going to, quote, be real at a time when maybe sometimes other people around you are trying to soften the blow. And so, again, this is based on personal preference, but I always prefer to have one person on my board of directors who I know is going to tell me the unvarnished truth and they're going to call me out or they're going to tell me, hey, here's a flaw, you need to consider it. And it's a delicate balance. You don't necessarily want your skeptic to be your inner critic. Mm, oh, that's a say more about that because I think, okay, this is really important for your for you listeners. Um, you don't want this critical approach to be so critical that it's going to prevent you from moving forward. So you've got to have a good alliance with the skeptic. Say more about this difference. You would use the lovely phrase "dream crusher." 
Ah, uh, yes. The skeptic is kind of your dream crusher. And it's not that the skeptic wants to keep you small. The skeptic wants to make sure that you've thought about the important stuff. So pragmatist is really another word for this. So catch yourself. Don't just label your inner critic or your inner gremlin or your inner negative voice. Ooh, I'm just going to call that my skeptic. And give yourself permission to listen to that voice. The skeptic doesn't want to keep you small. The skeptic wants to celebrate your success as long as you've thought about things and have at least checked boxes. And the skeptic will support your desire to embrace fear and run towards the unknown and take risks. Yeah, the skeptic does have your inner success at heart, yeah. um, whereas the inner critic doesn't want to ever see that realized. So so there's the balance there. Does the skeptic want what's best for you? Um, and that's a good indicator of whether or not that's a healthy, aligned dream crusher. And I'll just say one of the teams I was so lucky to have worked with had a member on its team who is in our QA department. So quality assurance. So this person was in charge of all of our testing and our quality control, which is really important with complicated software. And we all jokingly called her dream crusher on the team. And and she embraced that, that dream crusher title. But she was, I swear to you, one of the most absolutely critical people on our team. And when I say on our team, she was absolutely part of this inner circle of people that the core team operated with to to survive. (laughs) And so her ability to really um, stifle runaway ideas that that didn't have a place to go or bring us back to the reality or be pragmatic about something that was so important. So these these folks do exist, they exist in your life for a reason. Um, We just want to make sure that you've got the nuance of what we're talking about here with the skeptic. And if your skeptic approves of what you want to do, you know that it's a great idea. So what's another one, uh, Tina? The fan. The fan is your champion, your advocate, your unabashed, unapologetic, unconditional supporter. Thinks you walk on water, just pumps you up, cheers you up. They are going to drive across LA during rush hour to go to one of your talks. Yeah. That, that's what a supporter they are. And we'll bring you coffee and start the wave, even if it's a one-person wave. These are people who are able to bring a smile to your face, even on your worst day. I think of Amy Poehler and Parks and Rec when mm. I think of the fan. You know, this is a Leslie Nope kind of energy. This person is indefatigable in their enthusiasm for you. And the last role is the sponsor. This is somebody who's a door opener. Somebody who's going to advocate for you to help get you into places and into situations and into opportunities that you may struggle to get in yourself. Mm, Yeah, they really plug you into whatever network you need to be plugged into. And I'll add to that, sometimes, hopefully really, that sponsor knows way more than you do about what network you need to be plugged into. So sometimes we get these ideas of like, well, here are the people we should be reaching out to. But even in that front, having a really strong sponsor on your board of directors is going to allow you um, to really rely on their expertise to tell you where are the nodes, who are the people to meet, who are the contacts that I need to make relationships with, and what is going to actually build up my work. I just thought of who one of your sponsors is. Oh. Ann Lee. Oh, yes. Yes. 
Well, I feel like Anne Lee's also my fan. <laughs> she And th- th- really good point that somebody can play multiple roles and having those agile people on your board of directors is really wonderful. Anne is a mutual friend, um, but she has been part of Meg's life. She's very, very tapped into the startup world, and she has been an evangelist for Meg to be able to come into startups and do some of her best work. Aw, thank you. Yeah. Tina, when you um, think about your own board of directors, how did you create it? I like how when we were prepping for this episode, you suggested, let's make sure that for this exercise, the board of directors is real people. Because Mm. you also could have fictional characters. Absolutely. I have all the time, I have my clients think of their like ultimate supreme board of directors, even if they're imaginary characters. Imaginary, dead. You can maybe have different versions of your board of directors. For my fictional board of directors, Aragorn from Lord of the Rings would be in there. I got you. Yeah. Just... I think partly because I find him sexy. So we may have to add a role for him. So you need someone in a hooded cloak. Uh, Got it. Checked that box. But for purposes of this exercise, I'm holding you to living real humanoids. Okay. When I stepped away from the corporate world in 2017, I realized that I needed to surround myself with a different community. And I was terrified because I had spent more than 20 years of my professional life curating a community that supported exactly what I had been doing. Mostly people in sort of the tech, in the technology, organization development, human resources, talent, workplace development kind of space. And I had a huge community on LinkedIn, felt very connected. However, I needed to start adding to this. And one of the first people that I brought into my life was a friend of a friend who is a mobile massage therapist. And I recognized role model aspects in her of this is somebody who unabashedly is living life on her own terms. Oh, wow. I love that the role model person in your board of directors is a masseuse who who works out of other people's homes. Yeah. If you had asked me five years ago, if one of my board of directors members was going to be a mobile massage therapist, I would have said, no, it's going to be a VP at a big fancy company. And I realized what she embodied was the courage to follow her dream, the faith and and the trust in herself and in something larger that she would get through the harder times, a deep commitment to her craft and a commitment to living life passionately and with joy. That's an awesome role model role. And she's a badass masseuse too. Well, I love love that it's somebody who is outside of your discipline, outside of your industry, Um, And that what you love is just her ability to stay true to herself. How about you, Meg? Who do you have in one of these categories? Yeah. So uh, I'll talk about the fan, right? Because sometimes it's even hard to accept or receive unadulterated support because you're kind of like, I don't know, if if my critic's overactive, I might think like, oh, you're just telling me that you don't really mean it. You don't really support me. But I gotta say, I I have so many fans in in my life, in my inner circle, which 
is amazing. But I'm thinking of one fan in particular who, when I think of unconditional support, I really think of her. And she is um, one of my cousins and has always been um, an intellectual and emotional supporter of me, no matter what. And so not only does she support the work I'm doing in the world, but she also supports wherever I'm at personally. And she always draws a link between the two for me. So she always reminds me of how the work I'm doing personally is going to show up uh, in the quality of my professional work and vice versa. And I love that you said that you have multiple fans in your life because we need them. We, we need people who believe in us. We need people who we can call when we just, when we don't want to get into it, we don't want to get into the details and we just say, can you say nice things? Just tell me everything's going to be okay. Tell me everything's going to be okay. Or just tell me the work is worth it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the message I need to hear sometimes from my fans is it, keep going. It's worth it. Mm -hmm. And your role model can also share that because the role model has been there, done that in, mm. in, in a lot of ways too. Mm -hmm. What's one more we can do for our audience? One more. I'm going to go with the skeptic. And on an astrological note, try to get somebody with a lot of Virgo in his or her chart because yeah. Virgos tend to be really good at this. And I'm thinking about a Virgo in my own life. And it was um, a woman from Paris who was part of my global team when I was working for the large technology company. And her usual answer was no for just about anything. But she was the best sounding board to really dig into the juiciest, toughest challenges. And she made me think. And I knew that if an idea or a project or a program or a proposal passed, like passed through her filter, passed through her filter, it always came out better. And if she supported something that I was designing, she led our European team on, on our larger global team. And if I could get her support and her advocacy, it meant everything. And that it would be the starting point to get it through the other regions. So yeah, you want that skeptic to be grounded and fair and a completist. Yes. She dotted every I, crossed every T's, and absolutely was a Virgo and is a Virgo and is one of my most trusted professional colleagues. If I needed to really dig into something she would point out all the reasons, you know, she would just poke at it, poke, 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 not in a negative, critical way, just in a pragmatic, practical, I care about where this is going for you kind of way. And fabulous dresser because she's Parisian. <laughs> well, we can only hope that some of our board of directors are Parisian and, and show helps. up in velvet, red velvet and black. <laughs> and it all comes back to fashion. All comes back to fabric. So in summary... Think about who needs to be on your board of directors. What are the things or people or perspectives that are going to complement your work, add detail to it, add depth to it, add nuance, and also keep you honest and keep you real about the work you're doing. And recognize that your board of directors is going to evolve because you are an evolving, growing, shifting, transforming human creature. So just to summarize really quickly, Meg, why don't we list off those roles again? We've got role model. Sponsor, skeptic, fan, and brain. This has been a massively useful thing. I'm Tina Robinson. And I'm Meg Buzzy, and we'll see you next time. And a quick plug, please consider subscribing to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And thanks so much to our regular listeners. 
When you were working on the Supreme Court, Meg, did they make everybody wear black robes? Only the justices, only when they were hearing arguments. Because that would be very cool if you had to show up working in the IT department in a black robe. That just made me think of the people in Wizard of Oz who were like, And I went right to Harry Potter. Thing. Raw, 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 creative. Ding. 